This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. Hey, Aileen, did you know that Matt Rife got cancelled because of a joke? Did he, though? Welcome to Manosphere Debunk, the podcast where we debunk the Manosphere and sometimes, just for you, we listen to podcasts we really don't want to. I'm Aileen Barrett. Uh, you can find me at Tinder Translators on Instagram. I'm Dan, otherwise known as the Narcissist Psychologist, and you're right. This is the sacrifice that we make for the educational and hopefully entertainment value that this <laughs> podcast brings. Yeah, I hope it brings more entertainment to whoever's listening uh, right now than the podcast I've just listened to brought to me because <laughs> it was dull mostly and also annoying. So, <laughs> And also more entertainment than the comedy stand-up show that this <laughs> originates from because, well, out of interest, my partner and I watched it oh, yeah? and got halfway through and... I sort of, you know, I didn't protest watching it, but I was a bit like, do you really want to see what it's about? And she was like, yeah. And um, halfway through, she was like, oh, it's actually not that funny, is it? And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I'm glad that you did because I didn't. And so I'm glad that one of us did. Um, and I'm glad it wasn't me. So, yeah, like everyone's a winner, really. Or a loser, depending on. Oh, I think Matt Rife's the winner in this scenario, really. But there you go. Anyway, <clears throat> for those who don't know what we're talking about and who Matt Rife is, he's a stand-up comedian. He's been around for about 10 years on the circuit. He also was on Wild and Out on MTV. I don't know if you ever watched that. Did you ever see it? No, I know. So, so that was a cultural reference when listening to the podcast that I was like, no idea what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, um, I've watched a few episodes of it. I don't know if I ever watched it when he was on it, but I can see him being like the token white guy. Sure, like that makes sense. And... Obviously, then just moaning about having to make jokes about the fact that he was white. Imagine being an actor or comedian who's not white in the world, Matt. And that's just your whole <laughs> life, not one job. Anyway, um, he recently released a special on Netflix. Yeah, and his opening joke was this. I've only been to Baltimore one time. I ate lunch there and the hostess who like seats you at the restaurant had a black eye. A full black, and it wasn't like what happened. It was pretty obvious what happened, and we couldn't get over the fact that we're like, this is the face of the company. Like this is, this is where you have greeting people. And my boy who I was with was like, yeah, I feel bad for her, man. I feel like they should, you know, put her in the kitchen or something where nobody, where nobody has to see her face, you know. And I was like, yeah, but I feel like if she could cook, she wouldn't have that black eye. So... <laughs> Testing the water, seeing if y'all are gonna be fun or not. <laughs> 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 you see what you did there? How, how, how not really funny? I don't think. <laughs> but, but what he's saying is that like women who can cook don't get hit by their abusive husbands. So, so, 
so basically all women need to do is make sure to learn how to cook if you could please your man you wouldn't Mm. be abused i think is the punchline there (laughs) Mm -hmm. which makes sense because that's pretty much what like if you if you listen to um a lot of the manosphere podcast bro rhetoric all they all they really want is a woman who will be subservient and cook and clean so you know yeah it's bleak out there so there was a massive response backlash to this joke i'm sure there's probably actually worse things he said in the rest of the special or at least um equally bad jokes uh yeah there were (laughs) yeah um (laughs) and you know what happens when there's a big backlash to a comedian who makes a sort of what they would describe as edgy joke is that they describe it as being cancelled even when like none of their shows are cancelled and they like stack up record views on netflix and people like you and your partner who probably wouldn't have even thought to watch a special watch it because of the oh no no my partner probably would have wanted to watch it because prior to this she was a big fan oh right okay 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 oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, because she's a woman, and somehow yeah. he's got women fans for no reason. Yeah, I knew who Matt Rife was before this, so because a lot of people were like, I didn't even know who he was, and then they made long videos about how the joke was bad. I knew who he was. I've seen him on TikTok. I think he does some quite funny crowd work, but generally he seems like a kind of people like him, and he's you know he's a good looking guy as well, and I think that doesn't hurt. So today we're going to talk about why are we talking about him on a Manosphere podcast? Apart from the like lull domestic violence angle. It's because he, one of the things he did after being cancelled, in inverted commas, strong, bold, inverted commas, um, is go on the podcast of friend of the show, Jordan Peterson, um, which I just thought was like, wow, way to double down that. Like, I mean, excellent move, like great move. If you're trying to get more men to like you and think you're not like a kind of some kind of simp, then what a great move to do. Yeah, but then also if you're going to appeal to the outrage around or or in their view the ridiculousness of being cancelled for saying something that you know you should have every right to or has been misinterpreted in some way who better than to you know go and talk to than the man himself who has spent much of his career being allegedly cancelled mm-hmm. and then taken off twitter and then invited back onto twitter yeah. and you know all that kind of stuff so yeah 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 strong strong move strategic i might say yeah so that happened so we <clears throat> we thought we'd listen to the podcast jordan peterson podcast with matt rife and and talk about it today now spotify thinks that i want to listen to jordan peterson's podcast so it's coming up <laughs> on my homepage. and this has happened with chris williamson and i don't know what to do with myself my algorithms are getting fucked by this podcast <laughs> um yeah so that's that's annoying so that's what we're going to focus on today uh but before that what did when you saw this joke and like the the reaction what was your did you post anything about it i think i posted a commentary piece about it um which was around i guess the irony of him making a domestic abuse joke which is again is something that occurs largely against women perpetuated by men somebody had written a commentary piece about the irony of him making that joke and him having a large uh woman uh, fan base but i didn't i didn't mm-hmm. sort of sort of make any other commentary other than that and i guess my initial thoughts when i sort of heard about it was a bit like I don't want to use the word disappointed, but I guess just a bit like, you know, a bit like really, you know, there are people who can make good comedy without punching down on people. 
right? And yeah, you know, and I just think like, I know in the podcast, he says, I opened up with that joke as a way to kind of test the temperature. And I'm like, did you really have to? He actually said that he, he, he was like to, to warn people, like you can switch off if you don't like it because I wouldn't want someone to like fall mm. in love with me and then to be disappointed. All right, Matt. <laughs> I think that should be yourself, Matt. Yeah, there's just, there are different things that we can laugh about and there are different ways in which we can find humor in the world. And there are different ways in which we can make light of dark things but undermining quite significant and severe mm-hmm. um, real world violence and hor- horrific trauma is not is not the way mm-hmm. is not the one i agree totally um in terms of the actual reaction to the matt rife joke the domestic violence joke i don't think it's going to be controversial to be honest i felt like it, it wasn't particularly useful like i didn't think that the amount of reaction it got was mm-hmm. necessary or helpful in the cause of like supporting domestic violence victims and i'm not one so <laughs> maybe i maybe i'm wrong but you know people who wouldn't have watched this special anyway wouldn't have seen that joke if people who didn't take issue with it hadn't then stitched videos and made videos about it and i, I mean the thing the reactions i enjoyed the most were by comedians who were just like he's just not funny this isn't mm-hmm. good comedy this is not clever in the podcast he sort of says oh it's a, it's a modern twist on an old joke you're opening your Netflix special with a modern twist on an mm. old joke about domestic violence. It's just, it's like sloppy comedy. He also just looks really self-satisfied the whole time. He, he ends the special and I, I say, I've not watched it. But he ends the special going, well, what would I know? I only do mm. crowd work and like dropping the mic, which he hasn't referenced the whole special. So basically I am, this whole thing's been about people who don't like me, like <laughs> proving them wrong. But I just think the whole reaction to it, I, I didn't say anything, but... I wanted the reaction to it to be, oh, he's not good at comedy because I think that would have hurt him more than people being morally outraged. I don't think that that was a good joke or people should make those jokes. I also don't think that you Mm -hmm. can stop people making jokes like that and other people laughing at them, unfortunately. And so, I don't know. I just, not that I wasn't comfortable with the reaction. I just felt like... So you think it it amplified its further and gave it more airtime than maybe if people had kind of just gone oh, that wasn't, that wasn't great or just maybe not said anything at all. Yeah, and like unlike someone like Andrew Tate, say, who was in the ears and eyes of many, many adolescent boys before he, you know, was registering on, you know, the global outrage scale. And so, like, when people say, well, why stop giving him attention? It's like, no, we need to know, like, especially, like, people who, who have little boys need to know about this guy. We can't not give him attention ignoring matt rife yeah. is, is like a different thing do you know what i mean i was just like all right chill out everyone <laughs> like a little bit but not because it wasn't bad i think that's why i'm struggling to articulate this not because it wasn't a bad joke not because i think that oh everyone should be able to make jokes like that and it's great and it doesn't matter but because strategically mm-hmm. i didn't think it was the right play and i'm sure he wouldn't have had such high netflix ratings uh, mm-hmm. like as in viewing numbers mm-hmm. if there hadn't been that backlash and that's what happens so often, especially when things are like can be framed as like the woke liberals or the 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 ultra feminists like taking offence. Is that there's this whole tranche of fans that will be like, oh, who's this guy offending mm. the woke liberati, you know, type thing? Like, who are then like, yeah, great. And he says it at the end of the podcast. He's like, I got more yeah. followers than I lost through this. Fun times. Anyway, maybe <laughs> we should actually get into the actual the meat of the podcast. The, real, yeah. the actual podcast. Um, 
So Jordan Peterson, I wonder how this came about. I I wonder if it was Jordan Peterson's people who suggested it. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I wonder as well, because I guess the, the thing that I was quite struck by um, was how much Jordan Peterson kept saying that it was a good joke, even even acknowledged the um, the he, he says something about you even threw in a nice touch of misogyny there when you were talking about her being in the kitchen. And I was like, oh, OK, sort of like really, yeah. at, re- really, really outing yourself just, there, aren't you? <laughs> we're just saying it but now. then also oh. like really praising the apology or the non-apology not, not non-apology oh so we did, what we didn't mention is that when people got outraged matt rife doubled down and posted on his instagram stories if you've ever been offended by me um here's a link to my apology and it was a link to safety helmets for i assume it's for children who have seizures or like sometimes people who have intellectual disabilities need helmets mm-hmm. for safety and it was a link to that and he's like it's not it wasn't a joke about special needs people it's like okay cool sure but yeah so that was his like non-apology and then obviously that pissed people off even more and the people who would find the domestic violence joke funny probably found that hilarious mm-hmm. well again sort of you know jordan peterson thought it was a nice touch i'll tell you what he actually said um how, how he actually described that was Jordan Peterson said it was a witty, fast, and brave response. Brave for the cancellation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, because he didn't apologize, like mm. that's like obviously Jordan Peterson is like absolutely up his ass because he didn't apologize. He's like, oh my god, you're amazing. Like, so many people apologize when they offend people, but you didn't. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mate? Yeah, it's. But like, coming from like a psychological perspective and being a psychologist and thinking about yeah. the the relational aspect of being human and when you have made an impact or you have offended somebody mm-hmm. or you have said somebody that something that maybe has impacted on somebody in some way i guess one of the things that we would probably think about are, are ways in which to like make repairs and ways in which to repair the relationship and and that being like a good thing to do like a like a nice human trait like an attribute that yeah. you would want to instill in you know a human being because uh, from the podcast i seem to i seem to get a sense that well two things there was some some quite wild statements and you, you can you can clarify them for me if you've made notes on on them but there seemed to be an inference that possibly some people who have experienced domestic abuse would have enjoyed that joke and been okay with it so therefore by that virtue Mm -hmm. it was an okay joke to make but then also if you were offended by the joke and maybe you had experienced domestic abuse the reason you were possibly offended was because you hadn't done enough healing and it was very dismissive of the um hardships trauma whatever word you want to put on it that victims of domestic abuse would have experienced it was very dismissive it was like if you if you're offended by it then that's your own thing and you're just essentially weak-minded. Yeah, but there was. I mean, the thing is, I've never listened to one of his podcasts before. I just, I was like, I don't know why I was surprised by how much like weird, shitty pop psychology he does, like on Matt Rife. Like he just, he's doing it all the time. He's like Matt Rife's like, oh, I was a bit of a joker in school because I got bullied, and he's like, oh, that's actually quite a. But also as a way to like kiss mm. Matt Rife's ass, like he's like, oh, that's actually quite a sophisticated response to it. It's like a very standard mm. thing that happens to a lot of people is that they start making jokes in order to protect themselves in school. Quite a sophisticated response to it. It's like, okay, dude, like, please, like, love him more. 
and then uh, Jordan Peterson talks about his his daughters who was mm-hmm. very ill in her youth and how she can now tell like stories that will make you cry with laughter about it and that means that she's she's healed but like the idea that like the only people with trauma who'd make jokes about their trauma people who've healed it is wild mm. to me because so many people use it as a coping yeah. mechanism not because they don't get upset when they think about something bad yeah. that's happened to them but that it's easier to make a joke and it makes other people yeah. feel comfortable and so that they they kind of go oh lol you know that time i broke my leg and like no one found me for two hours that didn't happen to me oh, no. just, uh, to but i guess that but i guess the key thing there which he fails to mention is that it was his daughter who was making the joke okay so it was his daughter who had gone through that real difficult hardship which does mean yes that she's you know obviously come to a place where it's not, it's less impactful on her in that way but it is her experience it's her thing mm-hmm. that she's been through i think it would be very different if somebody else maybe a complete stranger who didn't know jordan peterson's daughter had made awful jokes about whatever it was she'd be going through. I wonder how receptive he would have been to somebody making fun of her in that response. I wonder if he would have then turned around and gone, well, Michaela, if you can't take the fact that that man's making a joke about your really traumatic experience, that means you've not healed enough. That would be like, you wouldn't expect that, would you? I wouldn't expect it, but also he wouldn't like 100% surprise me about Jordan Peterson, but that doesn't mean it's like a a valid way, like a valid opinion as well. But yeah, no, totally. And and, and I don't, I, I listened to, as well as listening to this podcast, I listened to a bit of a podcast of a comedian I follow on Instagram, um, Vittorio Angeloni is, I think, how you say his name. Um, two Irish comedians, and uh, it's called something like Mike and Vittorio's Guide okay. to Parenting. And they just chat about stuff, you know, it's quite informal. Anyway, they, they did this one, they did, they talked about Matt Rife. And um, they do a great Jordan Peterson <laughs> impression, <laughs> so that's fun. But they were also saying that Matt Rife is just sitting there the whole time going, Oh well, thank you. <laughs> like whenever Jordan Peterson yeah. says anything, which is, is spot on. And but the other thing they said was like he keeps saying, which I thought was very funny, which I thought was very funny, and I thought that was so funny. Like this is Jordan Peterson, and one of them's just like, "Well, then fucking laugh, Jordan." <laughs> like this man never laughed in his life. Like, and I just can't imagine like he doesn't have a good sense of humor about himself. It doesn't seem. I would love, I would have loved Matt Rife to like roast him at the end of the podcast just to see if he had that kind of sense of humor. One thing that I thought was quite interesting was when they were talking about Twitter and mm-hmm. how Matt Rife was saying that Twitter is a cesspool and that anyone who, I can't remember his exact words, but he said anyone who is successful on Twitter isn't successful in yeah, life. Yeah, and obviously Jordan Peterson has a real massive Twitter following, doesn't he? And I thought Jordan Peterson, there was no response. Yeah, to that. I thought there was, I thought there was a nice, interesting pause of silence then i was like oh i wonder if he's cut a nerve there <laughs> it was literally silent it was so funny um yeah it's just all very um a lot of the stuff they say about stand-up comedy is just very inane as well mm. i mean i i don't think jordan peterson regularly fr- frequents <laughs> stand-up, stand-up comedy but um i thought maybe we should get to um the more manosphere yes let's get to the more manosphere of stuff yeah of- the podcast because obviously Jordan Peterson, beloved of the Manosphere, I'd say, um, and uh, Matt Rife, soon to be, um, if not already, beloved of the Manosphere now. I think Matt Rife probably was getting called a simp by a lot of mm-hmm. Manosphere types because he has a, a big female following, which he doesn't know why that is. <laughs> Apparently, but he's, according he's got to no him, idea. It's anyone's guess. Maybe it's my face. Well. Can I actually before I before we talk about some of the manosphere stuff, but I want to show I wanna, I'm going to send you mm-hmm. 
the, the poster of his tour problematic and just see if you, you might see who who he's trying to appeal to in his audience uh yeah yeah people who like men without their shirts on yeah yeah so not necessarily women yeah just women yeah. or not all women but i'm gonna say pro probably primarily women yeah his, his comedy special um poster is him topless with a mic he's about to do a mic drop and then there's another there's another one of uh, an earlier poster which I think, in a way, it, it looks like a Justin Bieber album cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's looking off camera quite solemnly. I'd say it was sultry. So, uh, sultry, yeah, with his chain held up to his lips. Yeah, he's, and it, that is the female gaze, like, all over. Like, that's not a poster that is supposed to be attracting men who, like, who fancy women to come to see your show. No. And none of those, neither of those posters are funny. Like they're not, they're not like supposed to be funny. They're supposed to be hot. Yeah. And then it's like, ah, oh, it's anyone's guess why the women like to come to my shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's, uh, I just thought that was funny. So he's obviously got this big female following, the big women, straight women, I think, or women who at least are attracted to men. And then he's, you know, opening with this domestic abuse joke. And then, so obviously they talk about that on the podcast. Uh, Jordan Peterson brings it up and they talk about, especially they find it rep i mean jordan peterson because he's the angriest man in the world <laughs> just finds it reprehensible that there are men contemptible yeah contemptible oh yeah he likes to say that um I, which i found absolutely contemptible men who made videos and, and criticized the, the the joke um they're like they're the worst mm -hmm. so he was saying that in all the sort of demonstrations he's had against him there mm -hmm. have been men present and he's found the men to be more contemptible than the, what was the quote that he said about the women? He said, you know, the women who are like, that. should we just listen? Yeah, yeah well, I used to see when, when I had demonstrations around me, which used to be more common than they are now, which is just as well, hmm. the worst people I ever saw at those demonstrations weren't the Herodin women who were screeching like fishwives, but the men that were hypothetically there to support them, man, I tell you, I couldn't even look at some of those guys without having a shudder run up my spine. There's almost nothing worse than a man who tries to worm himself in with a group of women by pretending to be more on their side than the women actually are when their actual motivation is to use that. What was that Gad Saad, the evolutionary psychologist who works at Concordia, he called that the sneaky fire uh, <laughs> a routine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Harridan women screaming like fishwives, <laughs> which I think goes up, up there with his the bands of roving plumbers yeah. quote from our uh, previous Jordan Peterson episode. Um, but he says like the men were worse, and, and he Matt Rife when he's talking about men criticizing him, they are cucks, um, which is obviously straight out the manosphere. Mm -hmm. A cuck is uh, cuckold. I mean, it is older than the manosphere, the, the word cuckold. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a ye olde term, isn't it? Yeah, it's up there with Harridan women screaming like fishwives, really. Yeah. But a cuck is, is a cuckold is a man whose wife cheats on them because obviously that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not a wor word for women whose husbands cheat on them because obviously, like, men are virile sexual beings who, you know, the, women are their property. So, why would you need a word for that? This is when the word cuckold was 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 in its prime, mm -hmm. but now it's just cuck, and it's obviously it's not really about being cheated on. It's about having being with a woman who's been with previous men, 
and that is now with you because you know you're like a, a beta cock and you can provide for her and she's been ran through and all this kind mm-hmm. of lovely totally non-problematic non-misogynistic like just totally like rational scientific analysis <laughs> of the situation and yeah and he, and jordan peterson's just like you can just see that these men the the men who were with the the harridan fishwives were there because they were trying to like prey on the feminist women and like have sex with them it's like mm-hmm. cool please reveal things about your psychology towards women mm-hmm. and how you understand the sort of ability for men to see women as something other than sex objects and uh, you know who might need support or just like men might see you as harmful to them mm-hmm. or, and or other men yeah. wider society yeah and not necessarily even be there as allies be there in their own right because they've thought about it and they think yeah you're a fucking prick mate <laughs> you know you're a transphobe or you know you're giving this the the psychologist of the world a bad name yes for example yes but yeah, so anyway, so there's that. And then that leads in. Are you going to talk about the orangutans now? The orangutans. Oh, God. And, and so telling. So primatologists who studied orangutans figured out a long time ago that there are two variant male types of orangutan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's like, orangutans tend to hang around in trees. They're arboreal. But the men, the males who become dominant in a given territory, get so large, sort of like a linebacker yeah. in football, and they have these big fat pads around their face that are circular. They get so large, they can't really go in trees anymore. And the females come to them. But then there are other males in the vicinity for who the primatologists thought were adolescents for a very long time, because they look like adolescent males and they hang around in the trees. Uh-huh. But they turn out to be, many of them, fully mature males whose development into the linebacker is forestalled by the fact that they're not at the top of the pecking order. Right, and so their strategy is sneaky rape. Right, right, so it doesn't take much of an imagination to map that onto the, you know, the feminist male who's so on the side of women that, you know, he gets to be the friend who can entice some poor girl into bed when she's at her lowest point. Jordan Peterson can't go one podcast without like bringing up some kind of like animal kingdom evolutionary biology bullshit that he then says like and that's why humans are like that and it's like no it doesn't take that much imagination mate but that doesn't mean that it's a true a valid hypothesis so that goes back to do you remember in the last episode and if you haven't listened to the last episode go back and listen where we talked about some of the criticisms of evolutionary psychology and how it's really difficult to test hypotheses so you can make that hypothesis Mm -hmm. that maybe this accounts for how human uh, males might react in terms of maybe seeing themselves as lesser males but you can't in any way scientifically prove that because you cannot ethically test that and verify that in any shape or form, which is why, which is one of the reasons why evolutionary psychology remains a very sort of theoretical framework in which to think about human behavior and not at all definitive in the way that Jordan Peterson will often cite it. Yeah, before I actually talk about what the the research does say, as a lay person, somebody who doesn't know anything about primate biology or anthropology or evolutionary psychology, it takes quite a lot it take, doesn't take much of my imagination to map that onto it, but it, it, it does completely disregard what is actually being mm-hmm. said um, about those monkeys. Because what that would suppose is that physically all male feminists were like very kind of like slight, undeveloped 
you know, feminine looking males who can't otherwise attract women with their big, strong bodies and all misogyny grifters say from Canada <laughs> were big, strong linebacker mm-hmm. types and not wiry, pale skinned, kind of look like it's a little bit like they're malnourished men who whine a lot, for example, <laughs> plucking that out of the air. You know, the, so like the, the reasoning doesn't make sense. Now, I'll be very clear about this. There are men who call themselves feminists in order to ingratiate themselves with women to sleep with them. Hundred thousand. I know the term for that now after having followed you. Is it called the feminist fuckboy? Feminist fuckboy, yeah. yeah could can be yeah. Um I, I let the record show you that when I said there are men who pretend they're feminists so they can sleep with women, in order to get a word in edge. <laughs> I then raised my hand. <laughs> and I was like, What is happening here? <laughs> that was a bad time to raise my hand, yeah. Anyway, let's have a look at what the actual the actual science said. So I had a, I had a little look, and and he's not wrong, Peter said in, in some ways. So basically, in the nineteenth century, I think the first people who observed orangutans thought, yeah, there's there's not very many like big adult males. Uh, the ones who are in the trees are are adolescents. Orangutans out of all the animal kingdom take quite a long time to go through puberty, like into mm-hmm. their teens stuff. Male orangutans who are on the ground are quite, uh, they're very big and they're also quite solitary in terms of they don't associate with other males unless they're like beefing. And then, then basically what, what they realised in the 70s and 80s was some of these males who they thought were kind of prepubescent or adolescent were mating. So they, so they decided to call them sub-adult males. Oh. So they thought they were just like, like later developers or something. A late bloomer. And these adult males, the sub-adult males, were described as predominantly using reproductive tactics that consist of sneak slash rape. And the adult males were using a sexual strategy of like basically having a consort and also fighting mm-hmm. other males. Now, the, the the whole concept of consent in the animal kingdom in anim- animal kingdom is is obviously very different from what we would we mm-hmm. would talk about. Um, but over the years, they realised that some of these sub-adult males, so these guys that they thought were like one category down from the fully, you know, the fully developed mm-hmm. adult, some of them were like 30. So they just, they weren't going to get to the adult stage. And so they, deci- they decided to change the d- definitions and now they call them a flanged male and an unflanged male. A flanged <laughs> male and an unflanged male. Right. Maybe I'll just send you a picture, but basically... Oh, the flan- um, Adult males yeah. of a flanged male, yeah. Um, adult males, the the ones who live on the ground, I've got a flange, um, which is sounds rude, but it's just um, it's just basically a big sack around their neck. Okay. Uh, it's like a big broad throat sack, and it's it 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 basically means that they can roar and they can call across. Sometimes their calls can be heard from a oh, mile wow. away. Which, if you're on the ground and you're trying to trying to get the attention of some women in the trees, handy, very useful. The guys who are up in the trees do not have a flange, and some of them develop them really late on. Like I don't, they they don't know why this happens. Some of them sometimes still produce a flange like in their twenties mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm going to send you the, the picture anyway, so you can see what I mean by the flanged neck. It's very attractive. It does look like a giant ball sack to me. Um, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, hot. 
you can see you can you can see why the females would be would find that appealing yeah, yeah. women famously giant ball sacks <laughs> drive us wild but anyway so they've got these big flanges there's unflanged males up in the trees and those males have different mating tactics um but i found an article from march this year 2023 so that those studies were were done in the 80s Mm, love a bit of fresh research yeah so this is actually it's an article from a phd candidate well she's due to graduate in may so in fact she will have graduated Mm -hmm. by now um and it's in anthropology news it's by alexandria kralik i hope i'm saying that right at the university of pennsylvania and she's looking at bones of of uh of orangutans in museums to see what's going on with these flanged and unflanged males Um, And one of the things she says is that the idea of the sneak and rape is partly to do with the fact that these unflanged males are the same size as females. So they can sneakily like get access to females because they're like fitting Uh in. She finds that that's not true. They are, can be very big, some of these guys. So she says adult unflanged males were not necessarily sneaking as female size. This idea was interwoven with the narrative of them as, as a sneaky sexual predator. While forced copulations can happen in orangutans, those occurrences are not unique to unflanged males. Flanged males also force copulations, and unflanged males can also be successful siring offspring with females who have not had a baby before or in times of dominance, hierarchy, instability. So I guess that's when like the big, the big old, the big old. The big dogs are uh, off doing their own thing, fighting each other or whatever. Yeah. Um, and another thing about this, the whole kind of unflanged, flanged. <laughs> that never won't thing be funny. Like they, they do have different reproductive strategies, uh-huh. but they do have similar levels of reproductive success, according to a study in 2006. Uh-huh. Um, so again, a bit after the stuff that Peterson is potentially citing. And this study has a hypothesis of why this happened. So instead of it being that some unflanged orangutans, basically because they are unflanged, couldn't get mates so they just developed this new mating strategy which is different from like the gorillas who they think they descended sorry they evolved from it it looks like it's actually to do with basically when they were evolving there were some long and severe periods of low availability this change in food availability meant that full-time gregariousness was no longer energetically tolerable. And as a result, females dispersed more, more widely in search of food. And adult slash flanged males were no longer able to effectively guard a harem of females. So a niche, a niche for a quiet, quick, opportunist sexual predator, i.e. the unflanged male, became mm-hmm. available. So basically, this is just explaining why there are these two different mm-hmm. strategies. And it's not to do with one being necessarily you know, inferior to another, it's to do with the fact that the way they live mm-hmm. has changed. So basically the idea that the flanged orangutan is more successful in mating because of being dominant and strong and the unflanged mm-hmm. orangutan needing to use more sneaky um, means of procreating or reproducing because it's, I guess, less dominant or less powerful or less whatever mm-hmm. isn't quite right. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just yeah. two different mating strategies developed for two different types of male orangutan based on the things that you've just said. Yeah. Okay, so that shoots that theory completely out the water then. Yeah, and this 2023 piece in Anthropology News and this article really challenges how 
there are this kind of anthropomorphism and says that you know that actually there should be a more inclusive primatology and she says this i mean i think jordan peterson would probably think this was woke bullshit but there we go <laughs> so the so the article goes on to say just because they are at the time small and subordinate does not mean that they are some unwanted deviant sneaking with their female sizes and forcing copulations. When evolutionary narratives only describe large, strong males as desired by females, they miss the diversity of body shapes and sizes that males come in. We can do better to explain all male orangutans that existed in all their varied sizes and behaviors. So, ah, so, so what that's saying that is in order to be successful with a female, a male doesn't necessarily need to fit a stereotypical, um, alpha type dominant, um, f- mm-hmm. uh, form that they, they can actually be really yeah. successful in other shapes and sizes, much like human beings. Yeah. And like, they don't, I mean, I'd need to look more into it, let's be honest, but they don't have to necessarily like rape women because they're not desirable, like, mm. which is it. It's just it's giving incel in this day and age this kind of philosophy mm. because they are actually as successful in reproduction largely as the big scary men mm. on the ground. So I so I'm not saying that I fully you know understand the the reprodu- reproductive biology of orangutans. I'm just saying that I don't think that Jordan Peterson does either, basically. <laughs> or that there's or that it's a lot more uh, complex than just big dominant orangutan successful in mating. Smaller orangutan needs to force their copulations, and therefore this is what male feminists do in the real world. Yeah, male feminists equals unflanged orangutan. Yeah, it's not quite uh, so simple. I just think. It's just inane and it's just classic Peterson. Mm. Like, oh, I got this story from the animal kingdom that I haven't quite read up on for a while, but I'm going to say it anyway. And it's going to be exactly what humans are like. Did I tell you about my lobster thing? (laughs) Oh, by the way, Matt Reif, I also think you are fucking hilarious. Yeah, but I shall never laugh. (laughs) Never once in my life. And then Matt Reif just completely accepts it. But that's a classic example of somebody in a position of power, somebody in a position of expertise, somebody who has knowledge, waxing lyrical Mm -hmm. about something that he has some knowledge of, making, Mm -hmm. uh, extrapolating that to human behavior, and somebody with less knowledge, less experience, less understanding going, oh, right, that makes perfect sense. Because on the face of it, it does make perfect sense. But then that's Uh what feeds into the sort of manosphere rhetoric around the use of evolutionary biology. It's just, which again, is one of the reasons why Jordan Peterson, as the person that he is, and with the following that he has, and with the rhetoric that he espouses, is really problematic. Yes, and and just like dropping it into a chat about um, a stand-up comedy joke is just wild to me. (laughs) It's just so, oh God, it's so annoying. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about this podcast that I haven't said already. I don't know. Is there anything else that you... No, I think we covered everything that I wanted to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. We just, let me look, look. Oh, there is one point at which Matt Rife just goes, I'm just saying what's funny to me. And I'm like, we know, Matt. Um, Mm. We fucking know that's what you're doing. Yeah, I just thought it was hilarious to see I, it was really quickly after the whole debacle that he appeared on jordan peterson's mm-hmm. podcast, yeah i think it was within it? a couple of weeks yeah yeah and i was just like wow you know the devil works hard but matt rife's publicity team works hard you know what i mean like <laughs> it just was wild i'm sure he'll be very successful and have another more offensive uh, netflix show out before long because um that's netflix knows what they're doing as well mm-hmm 
just letting com comedians say you know say offensive things and then we all get offended and then they get more views and it's the circle of shy <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean i think there's not much to say after that no really. i think that i think we've covered all bases <laughs> We'll be back next week with likely a biological theme, in inverted commas. We're going to look at the manosphere rhetoric around pair bonding next week. I'm so excited. Yeah, cannot wait. It's going to be more reading journal articles about animals that have nothing to do with human behaviour for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, until then, please do like us, uh, review our podcast, follow us at Manosphere Debunked Pod, email us on manosphere-debunked at gmail.com and have a nice week and stay away from them unflanged males. Do you know what I mean? They are not. For I mean, don't go climbing any trees anytime soon. At least not in the forests of Borneo. <laughs> <laughs>